Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! Not today! Not today! Yesterday, it's the Fizzle Show. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the top 10 fears about creating your first online course. Everybody wants to make a course. We make a lot of courses. That's how we earn our bread and butter. We've made over 40 different courses inside of the Fizzle membership area. And, uh, and basically, a lot of people are interested in making courses because you can package up something that you know and start to sell it. It's exciting, and it's a real industry. 2015, Forbes uh, reported that the industry of online learning was something in the tune to the tune of $107 billion. Whoa. But success stories and stats about market size, you know, <laughs> those don't do you much. Right, because it's really easy to fail here. So, in this episode, we're going to talk about the top ten fears of online course makers. These are fears from real people who are actually making courses or preparing to do so. It's a really helpful episode. I hope you really enjoy it. I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for listening. In case you don't know what who we are or what we do, this is the Fizzle Show. It's the podcast of Fizzle, which is training for small business builders. Over 40 individual courses, all of them yours for the price of about a dollar a day. But it's not just courses, it's also community membership gets you access to the forums where people are helping out. You get access to weekly coaching calls every Friday where an expert will help with your specific business, your specific questions. And you get access to the Fizzle Roadmap, which will guide you through setting up a business the right way, a real business, not one that's going to like make you a little money for a little while and then later on like Google changes something and you're like, oh no, now I shouldn't have done my business that way because now I'm screwed. Membership to Fizzle costs about a dollar a day. That's $35 a month. But as a listener, you can try your first five weeks totally for free. Just kick the tire, see if you like it on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. That's fizzle.co slash try five. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 168 for the show notes. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> we are having a blast, Portland, Oregon. It's sunny and it is summer. Corbin, how you feeling today? <laughs> feeling great today. Not today. <laughs> feeling great. Not having you, too much fun. You're having too much fun. Yeah. Took a shot of chartreuse. Ate some fancy chocolate. Drinking some hibiscus tea. <laughs> what are we? All over the map. We're a statistic about like the, the decline of the white male in America. <laughs> you start doing heroin next? <laughs> I don't No, no, we're just gonna get more and more docile. <laughs> That's the feeling sleepy, you guys. <laughs> feeling kind of sleepy. Don't know why everybody's so mad. <laughs> Welcome to Sleepy Time Podcast with Corbin and Chase. Hey, we're excited to rock the night away, as in rock a bye, baby, on the treetop. That's right. That's what we're hoping to induce here today. A little bit of the sawn logs. ZZ, not the kind of logs that you're going to build a house with. The kind of logs you build a life with. Because as we know, 95% of your productivity in the day is determined by the sleep you get the night before. So says Ariana Huffington. <laughs> Why do you not sleep enough? <laughs> That's all I got. I've heard Ariana Huffington speak like once in my life. Yeah, Ariana Huffington, you know who she is. Yeah, I make a lot of the blog posts. <laughs> It was like German-Jamaican. <laughs> Why would I be wearing this hat if I wasn't writing for HuffPost? <laughs> oh, man, this is terrific. Um, I, got to tell, I got a little confession to make. I'm not excited about this, actually. I wanted to tell you about this, Corbett. I wanted to wait for the podcast. Oh, no. The word... Don't spring it on me. The word dope has moved its way into my vocabulary, and I don't even know how to get it out. Now, not in the cool way of like, hey, man, what are you guys doing? Smoking dope? Not in the cool way. No, in the like, oh man, those shoes are dope. Like oh, that, oh, that way. way. Okay. It's not the cool way. <laughs> I was confused. It's not the cool way. Yeah. It's not the cool oh, way. Oh, it's not cool. No, it's not cool to say like, dude, dope hat. That's not that, cool? Oh, that's that, that place is dope. I, wait, I went, I, I reevaluate everything. I ate that restaurant. Oh, so dope. Fried chicken. So dope. Okay. So, but what's the confession? That, that's the confession that that is actually coming out of my mouth. 
so much, I don't even know how to stop it. Oh, 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 oh. I'm watching it as it comes out. Like, I notice it before it's coming out. Yeah. That's actually the worst part about it. I notice it before it's coming out, and then it comes out, and I have no power to stop it. And then I have to live afterwards... With like, shame, because what what the only proper response that I should I should have? I mean, I feel embarrassed to use that word. It's, for some reason, it's just not the word. It's not a kind of word I use or want to use. And I don't care if you use that word. That's fine. By the way, by the way, I love what? this. But God bless the people that tune into this podcast for business advice. Yeah, <laughs> and and God, what's the what's the lyrics? Something of God bless. Uh, I'm trying. I'm I'm messing it. Yeah, you're I, right. I've heard you say specifically that is dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. just like. That's dope or dope hat. I haven't heard you say that. Nope. I don't like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to make a marker on my thing right now. <laughs> oh, I guess that, I guess that four letter words is going to stick in the podcast. Got it. Got it. Got it. My marker there. So, uh, yeah, anyways, dope's found its way into my vocabulary. So I just bring that up as a way of warning to anybody on the podcast. Listen, when I say this, I do take responsibility for saying it, but I'm not proud of saying it. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm still, I'm saying it. I'm not, I, I, because I'm not perfect. I don't know. I, I like, I'm still playing it off the That's cuff. That's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm almost there. That's what you're getting at, right? Like, yep. is it under? Yep. Wait, that would be an, oh, wait a second. What? Did you think that I'm not, you think I'm really not perfect? Because I think I'm just like a little Let's bit. Let's just move on. A little, okay. That's probably safer. <laughs> so we've got a topic of conversation today and I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah. Because this is going to help me work on something, 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 something coming up in the future that we'll tell you about maybe later. But, yeah. But, like, later is in like several podcasts. People episodes are just going to get now. tired of all this teasing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fine. I'm a big, they are. Are you guys getting tired of the teasing? Probably. I mean, probably partly because we've, we're working on a big project right now that's getting close to launch. You're going to hear about it in the next couple weeks. <laughs> Right? You know what would be awesome? What? Is if we never actually worked on any projects and we just <laughs> like, always said that we got this really big project underway. Oh, uh, Hey, and welcome then, back to Tinkle in the Douche. We are working so hard on a thing that's going to come out pretty soon. And then people assume that they just missed the announcement yeah. that we finished that big project. Yeah, that's right. And then we just move on to, oh man, this project, this one that we're working on right now, it's so big. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be good. That would be... Anyways, moving on to this conversation. Today... We are going to talk about some worries, the 10, we're going to try to get through all 10 of these, yeah. top 10 worries about creating your first online course. Like, like a lot of people are making online courses, a lot of people want to make online courses, a lot of people can make an online course, even if they don't even know that they can yet, right? And it's this thing where it's like, hey, I'm a blogger, hey, I'm a podcaster, hey, I'm a, I'm a something something, or I want to be, well, how am I going to make money, how am I going to earn revenue from this thing? Well... Making a course, like making your life about being a teacher who teaches somebody how to play, for example, guitar, right? Hey, uh, I'll teach people how to play guitar. It's pretty badass. Bob Reynolds, guy who used to be a fizzler, still a friend. It's fine. Bob will come back maybe one day. Who knows? Maybe. But regardless, he plays a mean saxophone. He teaches people how to be like gigging badass saxophone players, right? Yep. Does it through a course. Does it through some coaching. So the courses are a nice and easy way to add a thing you can sell, right? You to me. Uh, Coursera, you all of me. these open online, massive open online course places, Mook. right? Mooks, not to be confused with those badass synthesizers. Moogs, all right. Bob Moog is not Bob Mook, true. Who started the online course true. thing? So the the point being, this is an opportunity that a lot of people are asking questions about, wanting to do a lot of. I see a lot. We do these professionally. We've made forty plus courses. Right. And our courses now are a lot better than they were when we started. Yeah. Right. And and even our first ones aren't that bad. <laughs> I'll be honest. Some are too bad. You know? And so the idea is, is what are your worries that you have as a course creator? And what I love about these responses that we get, because we 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 talked this through with the with the Fizzle Forums and 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 got a bunch of responses, a really popular thread for a while there. What I love about these responses that we're gonna go through is they are going to reveal to you. Like first of all, super humane, like like re like real like relatable fears, and I love that. And then second of all, like we've got some input and advice for you about overcoming a lot of these. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll read the fear and then we'll address it. We'll chat about it for we'll a little. Chat while. about it for a bit. And um, these are in no particular order, but these are the ones that we heard most often. We asked the Fizzle membership, "What worries you most about creating your first online course?" And uh, a bunch of people chimed in, and there were several that we heard kind of over and over again. So we've got a great list here. 
Shall we start? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So the first one is, uh, this worry is that I will spend all this effort doing something that's already been done a million times and add nothing of real value to the world. I'm worried about creating a course that falls flat, garnering nothing but a meh from my audience. I believe it's meh. Meh. Yeah. From my audience. Because I either, you know, that's one of those words, by the way, that like I've never actually heard someone say. Yeah. It's just, it works so well written out. Yeah. M-E-H. Meh. 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 But then when you sound it out, it never really does does its right thing. Yeah. So garnering nothing but a meh from my audience because I either only partially nailed the core problem or didn't develop the proper solution that would work for my potential buyers. Okay, so the concern here, the worry, mm-hmm. is that you're going to spend a bunch of time and you're going to end up creating something that just falls flat, doesn't serve your audience, and really adds no real value to the world. Yeah. Uh, and then there were a couple of follow-up questions about it. What are some ways to test the idea without inv- investing a ton of time making the whole course? Yep. And how will I know if it's worth going through with? Love this. Wow. Nothing's more important, I think, t- than the topic of your course, right? Maybe nothing is, is more important than the topic of your course, right? Your course has to be teachable, you can't say, I'm going to teach you how to be a badass guitar player, even if you don't even know how to play guitar right now. But you can say, I'm going to teach you how to play these three very popular songs on guitar. By the end of this course, you're going to walk away with knowing how to do just this. Right. And one of the questions, one of the things in here is, is she's asking, or saying like, I don't want to make something that has been done a million times, you know, and then not add any value to the words. Is that, is that, yeah. did I read that in here? Yeah. Right. Not any value to the world. Okay. This is interesting to me, right? Because what am I hearing? I'm hearing the insecurity of the creator. I'm not hearing a creator who is certain about the need that exists in the world. Right. Right. When you work, when you hang out with enough people who like are like, damn, damn it. I wish I could play guitar. If I could play free falling right now in this party, in this house party, this kind of cool house party that's mellow. If I could do that. I, I would feel so good about myself. You really would. Do you know what I mean? And maybe Trisha would finally talk to me, right? <laughs> you don't know that fucking that Sam's out there thinking that, sure. right? Because Sam is. I know Sam. His name's Dave. I know him real well. Um, and there's a lot of those, right? And and so when you get convinced of the need in the world, that's when uh, that's when you go like. And then it's not. What do I mean by convincing the need in the world? It's not like it's. You're not looking at a spreadsheet. You're not looking at anything like that. You're. It's like. You have enough, you've talked to enough people yeah. who feel this way and it turns something on in me. Right. Personally, it turns something on in me where I go like, this aggression will not stand. Let's make something awesome. Let's yeah. really do it. Yeah. And and by the way, for most of these, I don't want to say that these worries are unfounded because in a lot of cases, they're they totally are. founded. And, and the, you know, the, you are correct to be worried that you're going to create something yeah. that nobody wants. And, mm-hmm. and that's, this is really a microcosm of creating a business in general. Yeah. You're worried about creating something that nobody wants because you're going to put a lot of effort into this. And you want to make some sales or you want to have some impact on the world. So the ideal scenario to me is one where you've heard over and over again from a group of people that you have access to, an audience of some sort, that they have some specific problem that they want a solution to Mm. because they don't see another great solution to this problem out in the world. They're asking you to create this thing. Mm. That's the ideal scenario. I don't think a lot of people are necessarily going to be in that, but this is why we preach building an audience first yes and then later trying to uh find out what the real problems are that you can create something for sale that yeah. you're willing to pay for and a great way to test these little things is by producing youtube videos or by creating podcast episodes or by writing blog posts because you get to just put a little something out there in the world yeah and hey if you don't want to make content you know i have a friend named jason glassby who like he doesn't like to make content he's too he's too lazy to do that but he wants to build the audience and do the thing he just would run ads. He would just buy Facebook ads. He's sure. like, he would have, he's like, hey, this is, this is money. I'm going to make back this money when I get enough people to do the thing with. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's, he's either, you know, selling tickets to a webinar or just getting people to download a thing and get on the email list. So now he realizes like, hey, people are going right, for right. this message instead of that message. Right. A little bit better. Gives you some evidence. And so, yeah, if you want to be like, I call it, I, to me, that feels a little bit douchey, but, but like, I know a lot of real people who do that. Well, and look, the, so there, there are other ways to validate this. Is, this kind of gets to the core validation, really what you want want to know is like the follow-up question was what are some ways to test the idea without investing a ton of time in it well if you're building an audience creating content you're testing stuff all the time yeah Uh, another way is to to uh, send surveys email people 
have customer conversations. Do a little workshop. Like do a, like a local thing. Like, hey man, you guys want to learn guitar? Bring your acoustic guitars. We're gonna come down. There's five of you. We're just gonna hang out. I'm gonna see what you're trying to do and get a sense for where you are and what right. people want from yeah. this thing. Or sell a a one time session. You know where yeah. where people come online to a, a webinar or something. Yeah. And see if you can sell that for five bucks before you try to make a massive course. Totally. But uh, you know another way to validate this is just looking for other courses that are in the same vein. Mm-hmm. of what you're trying to create. Seeing that they exist already. Seeing that they exist, seeing that people are paying for them. Go look at Udemy, see what's popular there, and then find out what's wrong with those and how you can improve on them yeah. or how you might be able to mash that up with something else. It's um, There's all kinds of different ways to validate. So um, is that is that enough on that one? I think I think so. I think so. I think we could let that one roll. Okay. No, actually, yeah. I think, I, I mean, cause it's important and, and, and it's one of those things that's so important but there's no quick and dirty answer to it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people out there looking at us are like, hey man, these guys are great because they're the zero bullshit guys. You know right. what I mean? They are the zero bullshit guys. They give you the truth, the answer, they'll just say it the way it is. You know what I mean? And and I'm sitting here saying like, there isn't a cookie cutter solution to this. But what you do want to do as a creator is you want to be convinced like personally of the of the of the need and the world for this thing. And that might mean just that you have a couple buddies or you've seen it online or you yourself have gone through this and then you find the course and it's like, dude, this course isn't giving me what I wanted or something like that. That's what I mean to me. That's been a big motivator, just doing it better than others because I've been lost. I've gone through the cracks and most of the things that I've ever tried in school and like in private tutoring and all that other kind of stuff. It's like, dude, you you missed up. Now I look back and go, you missed, you messed this up. Yeah. You know, and I, I could have gotten this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And just one last thing. Um, almost everybody I know who has created an online course has had this fear. Mm. And uh, in some cases it was well-founded because the course does fall flat. Yeah. And, you know, you don't create a lot of value. A lot of people, you know, not many people buy it, whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the process as well. You do your best to validate, make sure that there are people out there who want this thing, that you're connected to enough of them, yeah, uh, and that you have evidence that people want this. But sometimes you have to go through that process to find that out and just realize that that effort that you put in there will pay off later when you go to create your next one because yeah. it'll be that much easier. And it's better than the alternative. I see a lot of people paralyzed by fear, and so they end up taking no action at all. Mm. When, you know, in reality, if, you're, if you have this worry, you might be able to just quantify this like in terms of probabilities maybe there's a 20 percent chance that if you create your course it's going to be it's going to pay off for mm-hmm. you financially yeah, yeah. uh well if you if you take that risk five times mm. you know hopefully eventually you'll have one you'll have that works uh, out. more of a 50 percent chance yeah, something like that yeah yeah uh you know whereas a i'm lot a of people, reader not a man a lot of people will sit around and wait for a hundred percent chance and that just doesn't exist in business you don't get hundred percent chances yeah. i mean you know, maybe I think that's actually a really powerful tip right there. You said what quantify your chances here. Yeah. Cause and, and I even just like start like write it on your board, write it on a piece of paper. This is something I could do for myself. There's no such thing as a hundred percent chance you're gonna succeed. Uh, or or as Alan Watts says, everybody's running around trying to play the game in a way that they can win, but they could never lose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, anytime you're actually playing and it's possible to win also possible to lose yeah and that's the same thing with your course idea so so that's that's big i like that idea i think that's really important the idea that like i can choose to do this course even though it might fail even though it might fail or, so or even though it probably will even though it probably will and failure like we define failure right. what does that mean i like only sell 10 copies like yeah. i guarantee you can right. sell f- uh, like five or one copy a minute you know yeah but so is that a failure i don't know but that should influence that can influence how you then make that course yeah. You go like, okay, listen, this is probably like one of 10 courses I'm going to make like in the next three years. So let's just try it. Let's just do, let's just, let's just try our first one and, and do it low key and get it, get it out the door and right. see what it's like. I guarantee if you give yourself three months, a, a deadline to, to put together a course in three months and something that you like know enough about to go like, Hey, I can teach you free falling on guitar. You do that one time, get it out the door, see what it's like to sell it, see what it's like to, to do all that stuff. You make your next one. Everything will be different. Everything will be different. It's so important when you know how to do this stuff and you only know how to do this by like trying to go through it. So anyways, All right. validating the thing. I, and it, it has to be said that, that having that audience and building that blog beforehand or, or podcast or YouTube channel, or, it's so valuable for this reason. Yeah. It's so valuable. Yeah. And that's going to feed in uh, to the next concern, worry, whatever we want to call it here. So uh, the next one is where to host the course on Mm. a subdomain on my site, which I'd have to maintain or on something like Teachable or Udemy or Skillshare. What's the best way to go or 
Should I just create my own specialized site? And which of them will bring in the most followers and most long-term profits? So there. So just for people who are like not even thinking this far ahead yeah. yet in terms yeah. of creating a course, once you create the material, you have to figure out where you're going to host that stuff. Yeah, where are you going to put How it? How are you going to deliver it to people? Yeah. And there are a lot of uh, services out there like Udemy. These are marketplaces of courses. The advantage that you have there is that the software is already built for you. You just have to upload your content and mm -hmm. then the structure and all that stuff is already there. Another big bonus on that is it's a search engine. People are searching there for courses exactly. and you've got a course on how to play guitar. You search, the people are searching for like, oh, I wonder if there's a guitar course on Udemy, you know, uh, but they're also promising you the world. Udemy and all of those big MOOCs are promising you the world, riches and fortunes, you know yeah. what I mean? People are really making money on those though. They are, yeah, there are. And and I, I don't know the stats now, but I know that like four years ago after Udemy had, shortly after they had gotten started, I interviewed, and we can include a link to this, I guess, in the mm -hmm. show notes. Show notes would be where? Uh, fizzleshow.co slash, what are we, 168? Yeah, one, fizzleshow.co slash 168. So um, I interviewed Dinesh, who is in charge of uh, marketing over at Udemy. And in their first or second full year, I think they had at least 10 instructors who had done over $100,000 in mm. revenue just from Udemy. Yeah. And a lot of times these people have other things. And I'm guessing now they probably have people who are doing a lot more revenue um, over there. So, so there are some people who do a lot of uh, revenue on these sites. And um, these sites do have tens or hundreds of thousands of people, of students, who are potential students for your course. But just like any marketplace with Amazon or anything else, just because there's a lot of people there, a lot of buyers, doesn't mean that you're going to get exposure to those buyers. That's where you have to work on priming the pump in some way, uh, getting reviews of your course and um, you know trying to get some early sales so that the platform and the mechanisms that happen there, the social dynamics of it, yeah. start to prop your course up in the results when people are looking for things or you might get featured on the on the front page or whatever. Yeah. So uh, if, if, if it were me, the decision would come down to, do I have a built-in audience already? And do I have the technical skills to create a course on my own site? Yeah. So if I had both of those things, if I had a built-in audience of people who were you know, on my email list, who read my blog, who I had communicated with, yeah. I had evidence that they wanted this thing, and I had the technical skills meaning I knew how to work WordPress and, you know, mm -hmm. and do some design tweaks and maybe a little coding. Yep. Uh, if I had those two things, I would consider creating a course on my own site. Mm -hmm. If not, then don't bother with it yeah. for your first course because yeah. you can spend many weeks just on the technology part of yeah, it. Yeah, so you're saying if you don't have the tech skills, just like use Udemy. And, yeah. and there's or like- Or Teachable or Skillshare. Or yeah. There's a lot of different choices out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and more are coming up all the time. Mm -hmm. But if, if you don't have the, the technical skills and if you don't have an audience built in, yeah. then it serves you no purpose to create your own course. Because you site. can always take that and put it on your own site eventually. Right. You know, you've got all the files. You can do that. You can stop it being sold on Udemy. You can, you can pull it from any, you know, you have full control over these things. Yeah. So, so I, I, there's no, for your, your early, your, what you're saying is like early stage, if you don't have a lot of skills technically or the audience just put it on Udemy or Teachable or, or one of these things that can host it for you and you can take pe send people to it and they handle all the payment processing, all that crap, right? right. Well, and another way to look at this is, you know, the, the, the first question was all about risk. Like, mm -hmm. how do I mitigate this risk that uh, I might create something that nobody wants? Another way to look at risk is, well, how much is it going to cost me to figure out what that risk was? Yeah. And if you're so concerned about creating something that nobody wants and spending all that time on it, then you'd be silly to spend a month or better yeah. working all the technical stuff before you know that people want this. So instead, put your course up on one of the platforms mm -hmm. that exists already and see if you get any uptick there. Even if you have your own audience, you can send people over there to Udemy. Yeah, it costs you a little bit more. Yeah. But what you're trying to find out is, is this a good long-term prospect for me? Mm. And then if so... Sure, invest the time and then you can create the course on your own site or whatever. Yep, totally. I like that. I got nothing to add on that. Okay, cool. Uh, number three, I have a lot of knowledge and I don't know how much of that to put into a course. Should it be a huge course, a shorter course? How can you tell the best format, length, et cetera, for your niche and topic? Where's the fine line between overwhelming your students and not offering enough to keep them happy? This is a pretty easy problem to solve and a very real question to ask, okay? And my trick on this is you define the payload. 
At the end of this course, you will walk away knowing how to do X, or you will walk away having done Y, or something like that, right? You will learn, at the end of this course, you will have learned, you will know how to play these three songs. You know, Green, Green Day, something, something, Nirvana, Nevermind, and, and you know, the Tom... Tom this, I swear to God, you just did this. I like, did this. You did this exact same thing you said. I am it's stuck in a loop in my head where I'm remembering the first songs that I learned on guitar 20 but years only, ago. But only two of them. Yeah. And you always say three, and then you get two out, and then that's... Well, it's tough, because I always forget Tom Petty's name for some reason, huh. and it's Free Fallen, and I didn't even learn that. That was the one my brother learned, when he like saw that I was, you know, no. girls were liking me, because ah. I was playing guitar. He's like, I could learn a song, and then he tried to learn Free Fallen, but he's got those bass fingers. He never had a chance. Hmm. He never had a chance. It's all right. He always beat me and everything else, so that's <laughs> fine. I win in creativity, Chris! <laughs> <laughs> so the payload you're defining the payload what do you walk away from this thing with and i think that is one of the more creative and 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 seriously important tricks or hacks to this course thing because you think about like hey i'm going to teach you how to do an online business and then you realize like like this question asker is getting into is like this is a whole can of worms like what kind of business like, I'm not going to teach you how to make, like, do, like, a venture back startup in the same course that I'm going to teach you how to, like, start up a blog and sell a course. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna, you realize, like, how convoluted every course idea you have gets unless you get really creative with, like, hey, this is the only thing I'm teaching you. Which means maybe your audience is a little, uh, your potential buyers are a little bit smaller, but it becomes way more effective Typically, in my experience, it becomes way more effective because you're so much more clear about what you're selling. And easier to test again. Way easier to test, way easier to make. Yeah. Way easier to make. You know when they're walking away done with your course because they're playing those three songs. And I'll tell you what happens to everyone who tries to create an online course. They define the scope way too large. Yeah. They get halfway through it and then they just hit a brick wall because it's like, holy crap. This is something... This yeah, this is something that we've turned really pro on because we make so many courses. And um, but more than that, like our livelihood depends on not only making these courses and putting them out, but that they work, that they're effective, that it takes people through the actions, that people at the end of it go like, "I'm so glad I have kept my membership in Fizzle." Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like it's, our our life depends on it, right? So when we're designing new courses, designing the content for new courses. We're ruthless about it. We're very focused about it. Yeah. And we have a very sort of uh, engaging process for how we do that, that, that we're, we're tuning up right now even um, as we've made the last two courses that are like, it's get, like it, we're getting more serious about these courses. They can be done in a shorter amount of time and they can be way more effective. That's what's different here. Like this is something that you need to know. Your course is not better if it takes you longer to make. No. Your course is only better if it gets a person to the action they purchased the course for. To the result or action or outcome. With as little pain as possible, yeah. frankly. And and they, there's totally. a danger in being a teacher and feeling like you have to dump every piece of knowledge in your head yeah. on your students. Yeah. They're not paying for random knowledge. They're mm -hmm. paying for an outcome. Yeah. And so Chase is dead on here. Consider what outcome you want for your students. Try to make it very specific. Yep. And then look at all of the content you want to include through the lens of how does this get my students one step closer to the outcome? Yeah. And the answer to should it be a huge course is always no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go with three small courses before you do one big course. Right. Especially if you've never done a course before. Like I was saying before, earn your first buck, selling, making your first course, making a really, really short, like, hey, instead of teaching how to play all these songs, I'm just going to teach you how to go between G, C, and D. That's it. G, C, and D. G, C, and D. G, C, and D. You know, if you can sell that course or whatever, right? So anyways. Yep. That's, awesome. that's a good one for number three. Okay, cool. So uh, number four is what I want to teach is not on the same topic as my blog. My niche is self-improvement topics with curated links to reputable resources and their summaries. I want to teach a course on how to research, organize, and report like I do as I have received a lot of great feedback on that. Okay, got it. So this is where someone has, I remember this comment, she has a blog about one topic, like, hey, I want to start a blog over here. But in the meantime, over the course of the last 10 years of her professional life, she's gotten really good at this skill over here. Right. Doing research stuff over here. I know I know what that feels like, man. You yep. should see me research stuff on the web. You should see me make a course, right? Yep. Like you wish you could, You could. I, I should make a course on that, Yeah. right? So the the idea is, is, but that's not what my business is about. That's what my blog is about. So what do I do about that? Exactly. 
first thought for me is, well, that's easy. Make the scope, define the scope of that of that project that you want to do, that course you want to do, often some different thing. And just screw it. Do it. You know, just screw it. Give yourself a month to give yourself a week to outline it, you know, uh, and then talk that through with someone who you know who actually wants to learn how to do that thing. Walk, walk them through it, teaching them along the way. Then make the course and and try to get it done in a month's time or something. Do it small, smaller than you're thinking, and see what that's like. Right. See if your current audience doesn't go for it, but also see what it's like just to make that course because right. I love it when people are making courses on something that they truly, really deeply understand and know. Yeah. You know, real deep expertise on something goes a long way. But, so the the other side of this is if you're going to create a course on something that isn't yeah. the main focus of your blog, then you kind of have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you're I mean, you're not going to sell it to that audience. Yeah, you're going to have to find an audience for this new course. And so yeah. I think you just have to weigh those two things against one another. Is the the topic that I want to create the course on so potentially valuable to the world in general that it's mm -hmm. worth trying to find a new audience for it? Or could it potentially, because it's it's very possible that something could catapult you into like a, into like now, like you got to start a blog to support the course and that gets like in, in a month's time bigger than the current blog that you've been it's doing. It's possible, but um, in general, what I would advise here is probably to create a course that is going to be really uh, central to yeah. your current Well, that's audience. the dream, right? But here's what people do. You start a blog and you're like, this is what blog's about, this is what blog's about. Why is your heart talking about doing this thing only over here? Maybe because you're blogging about the wrong topic. This happens all the time when you're starting out doing a blog because you're like, hey, I heard about Fizzle. Hey, I heard about this guy or that guy. I would like to do the blog in passive income. So you come up with a blog idea and you're like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But then you're like, I want to make a course, but over here because that's what I'm good at. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, listen to yourself. Pay attention to what's going on. But you're right. You're not going to be able to sell that course to this audience. And this, what I like about this is this gets us thinking about the two prongs that are necessary to do a great course. Not only do you have to make it, like you have to have all this stuff, you got to be able to sell it. You have to be able to market and yeah. sell it. So what I hear in this question is like, I can market something to my audience, but the thing I want to make is something that I can't really market to my audience. So what should I do about that? And we're sitting here going, listen, if you want to sell it to your audience, then you make something that you can sell to your audience. Right. But if you want to, if you just want to make the course and, and, and scratch that itch, then go ahead and do it because you're probably in a learning stage in your business yeah. in general. And look, like when your audience is small and you don't have experience creating a course, you need all the help that you can get to yeah. actually make sales of this thing. Yeah. And nothing is going to be more motivating to you than actually making sales. Yeah. So I, I would try to put all the cards in my favor if I could. Uh, and I would, That's true, I would yeah. make something for yeah. my audience and I would, I would make the thing that I thought my audience needed most. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be afraid of charging that head on. I'd do it in a small way. Yeah but I'd go after the thing that I thought they wanted most. I think that's a big point. You're right in that, like you want to give yourself every chance. You're right in that the motivation, when you start making sales, you're like, damn, I can make a course. Yeah. If you're not making sales, that doesn't answer that question for you. Right. Right? Yeah. So you're right. Like you want, you want there to be a t both those prongs intact to give yourself the full force. Unless you're where I'm at now, where I can look back over the past decade of making crap online and go like, no, no, listen, you're just learning how to make shit. Mm -hmm. Like that's what's happening. You're just learning how to make things and and just let it be. Like let it be about learning how to make things for the next five years. Yeah. You know, and then you'll realize, oh, I know how to make things. I know what I'm good at. I know what I want to talk about. And I've been building this audience and a few of them have been into this topic the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, that I see that happening very naturally in a lot of businesses. Some people start off with a bang and they just know exactly who they are and what they're here for. But but others have to have to learn through it. And so take that advice with a grain of salt. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Should we just say that after everyone? So take that advice with a grain of salt. All right. Number five is I'm intimidated by all the new skills I'd need to learn to get a course off the ground, like video editing and the costs associated with those skills, like purchasing video editing software, a microphone, et cetera. Both of those are a huge question mark for me. Will they take hundreds of hours or 20 ish? Will they cost 2000 or a couple hundred? Yeah. So, we're talking about both the skills and the costs mm -hmm. associated with being able to create a course. Yeah. So uh, this is a big one because there's a lot of different ways you can make your course. It's fairly common right now to make it as a video and you're like on video talking to the camera doing the thing. It's also very common to do it with like a, a, a slideshow. You got your PowerPoint up and you're using ScreenFlow or Camtasia to record both your face from your computer's uh, you know built-in uh, camera and the screen to like kind yeah. of guide you through it. 
Um, it's also fairly it's common enough to have just like audio, you know, or just a PDF or a book or something like that. Yeah. And what you're balancing, what you're challenging, balancing there is the the feeling that a cons- a customer has of the quality of the thing that they're buying, mm-hmm. right? With your ability and the amount, how much time it takes to actually make this stuff. Yeah. Video takes a lot of time, you know what I mean? Less time to do just a screen flow, a uh, little less time just to do audio. Like it's like a spectrum, right? But audio might not, it's a PDF might not feel very worthwhile. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm not gonna pay $200 for a PDF right. is what a lot of people probably feel, right? So I see that that balance and that's difficult because they're both very real concerns, uh, especially the concern of, because what's the danger here? The danger here is like, I've got this course, I've got it outlined, I'm ready to roll, I'm excited to do this, I tested the idea, yada, yada, yada. And I never got it done because I tried to do video and then I like realized I had to buy a lot of stuff and I didn't really know what. And I was like, oh, I'll do it next week. And then one year later and I still haven't done it. Right. right? It's going to be a total cesspool to try to figure out how to do this right. stuff. So yeah, this is a total concern and it's a worry, but it's totally mitigatable. Is that the word? Mitigatable, sure. Mitigatable. <laughs> mitigatable. <laughs> uh, as you can see, me diggable, baby. Uh, mitigatable. <laughs> so you could, I mean, it's like lynda.com course on Final Cut Pro or even iMovie and and a uh, or Camtasia or ScreenFlow or, or whatever or Camtasia or ScreenFlow or anything you know what I mean a lot of those technicals we don't even do courses on those anymore because they're changing all the time and it's really easy to, to pay your yeah, you know, $10 like, to go get that course somewhere. I just I just mentioned this yesterday I had never edited a video before I found a free tutorial that took me maybe two evenings to go through on, on Final, Final Cut, Cut Pro. Pro and after those two days I was off to the races yeah. and I could edit videos yeah uh, of course, with some tutorial from you, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that the skills that you need to learn to get a course off the ground. What what are we talking about here? So probably video editing. Let's assume yep. people are going to do video, so you need yep. video editing. Mm-hmm. iMovie uh, or or Final Cut Pro on a Max, right? Uh, and and you know, either Adobe Audition or Windows Media Movie Maker yep. <laughs> on a PC or something. I don't yeah. know what. But really, the skill the the important skills are how to create compelling curriculum. Yeah, how to deliver that is that's the hard stuff. Right. Don't and, don't kid yourself. And those aren't things that you're going to be able to just pick up by taking a course. A lot yeah. of times, this is something you learn over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the video editing stuff, don't worry about it. Yeah. You'll find a course and you'll be able to do it within a couple of days. It's not that big a deal. Because these apps are really good, especially like Final Cut Pro 10 or iMovie, right? These are these are apps are made for consumers, especially iMovie. There's tons of free tutorials all over the yeah. place on it. You can I know everybody listening to this can use that if they just allow themselves to how however long some people are gonna learn it really quick and some people are gonna learn it a little longer. I don't care. At the end of it, you're gonna know how to do it. Right. You know, so invest the time. So you don't have to worry about that. Yep. That intimidation, okay, that's gone. Yep. All right. There's still the question of like how do I how how do I how do I what do I need to invest in in terms of material in terms of uh machinery or 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 equipment and right. stuff like and that. We'll get to that. That's the next question. Okay. Uh, the other question, uh, or the other part of this question, though, five before we wrap up, was what are the costs associated with these? Yeah. And there, are, as you said, there are free courses out there that yep. you can take. Even if you pay for a course, it's unlikely that you're going to have to pay more than fifty or hundred bucks to get yeah. the basics of of a video editing software or whatever. And then the cost of the software itself, if you go with something like iMovie, I don't know what that costs anymore. Maybe it's free. iMovie's free. Yeah, it comes so with a Mac. It's on your yeah. Mac. If you don't have a Mac, there's probably an equivalent on Windows. Yeah. Even if you pay for some of the best video editing software out there, like Final Cut, I think it's only three hundred bucks these days. Two ninety nine, I think. So. If there, not one ninety nine, well, I can't yeah. remember which so one. There's, there's not too much to to worry about there. I I don't think you can do it with free tutorials and pretty cheap software if you want to. The next question, number six, is what's the minimum viable equipment that I would need? And this is again determined by you know what what kind of what what form your course is going to take. So minimum viable equipment, I would say for a course that I would feel comfortable putting out would be I have a I have a some sort of a Mac laptop or or an iMac or something like that with the with the camera built in, you know, and I've got Camtasia or ScreenFlow, probably ScreenFlow since it's really easy, it's probably cheaper too. Yep. Um and I've got Pages, uh uh not Pages, sorry, Keynote, Apple's presentation software. That's yep. free. Yep. I put together my whole course doing that. Right, I I would totally run through it with like on the fly with a couple of people just to present it for fun to practice, and then I'm recording it in Camtasia and editing it or in ScreenFlow, sorry, and editing it there. 
right? Right. It's a done deal. So that's like, I think, what what is ScreenFlow is like 49 bucks, maybe $29 or something like that. Yeah. And, then the, and then the cost of your computer. Yeah. So the only thing I would add to that is it would make sense to invest in a USB microphone, I think. USB microphone or like, honestly, I think you, even Apple headphones straight into the thing or the, the speakers in your computer can, or the microphone in the computer when you're, when you're close to it, close enough to be yeah. on camera well. Yeah. That's all fine enough for me, totally. you know. But yeah. a USB mic at, at you know the the Audio Technica that we recommend. We have a a video on on doing all these microphone tests and the and the cheapest mic that I recommend for first time podcasters is a like a fifty dollar forty nine dollar uh, Audio Technica USB mic that also has, does XLR stuff and I think it sounds great. So if you had that and that, even if you can see that in the screen, it's fine. Yeah, it's it'll, you will sound a lot clearer, which is, means you sound really close to the course taker to the learner. Right, you sound very intimate right there with them, and that kind of matters. Audio does kind of matter. The more you can do there, the better. But that's what I would say was minimum viable. The, the other the, quick, the yeah, other quick tip is um, just to make sure that you're lit well, and you don't need to buy lighting. Yeah, but, you know, maybe uh, face a window. You Not, face a window. You this don't want is to be what super bright light so yep. you're washed out. But you want to have a, a light in front of you, not behind you. Basically. Yeah. What I would do is I would, uh, and this is really important. You really don't want lighting behind you because it blows out the camera on your on your you know whatever webcam that you're using. Really easy. Those cheap cameras. When you get too much light coming from behind and it starts competing, it doesn't know what to do with, with everything. So if you're standing right by the window and uh, like facing outside the window, that is great. If you want, if you're concerned about, about like I might be recording this for hours and hours, I might need to do it at night so there's no light outside or whatever, then you can probably just get like a, like an overhead lamp or anything and put it just in front of your computer, you know, and you're looking at the computer or, or sorry, just behind your computer. So you're looking at the computer and the lamp's right behind it and it's getting you, you can put a couple of them yeah. and just surround yourself with a few lights and you'll have, and you'll, the more light you have coming at you and you're like from behind the computer, yep. the better, more clear, more crisp, more clarity you'll have in the, in and, the image. You know, the, the people that I, that I love and trust most who have uh, tips for this really simple kind of video stuff, yeah. really simple and inexpensive stuff are Wistia. Yeah. They have a lot of great tutorials that'll show you how to use your iPhone. They'll show you how to buy one of those clip lamps from Home Depot and which kind of light bulb to buy to use for video lighting. Yeah, really cool so, stuff. Yeah, it's great stuff. And, you know, if you look around our studio here, we have a lot of sort of, you know, one-off ramshackle, <laughs> ramshackle kind of like totally cheap equipment in it and it totally works if you're going pro pro even like even like we do a lot of pro stuff all i have for lighting is a 150 dollar you know amazon lighting kit with three lights i only use yep. two of them yeah so that's the worst that's like the, that's the worst expense you could have if you want to go pro with this there's trust me you can go way pro than that but that's a, as far as i've ever needed to go all right. Uh, number seven number seven we're cooking through these uh number seven is what scares me the most is that I don't have a built-in audience. I have to market this on my own. How, when, where, to whom, what social media channels, etc. Yeah. So this is another one of these challenges. The whole dream, uh, you know, the way that our business has worked from the start, the thing that we're trying to teach to people every single day is that you, you when you build your audience around a topic, you can absolutely you have your you have your sales stuff built in. Right, and it may it changes everything. Now I've got an audience who are looking to build a business, and they don't know exactly what they're doing, or they're further along, or they're they're anywhere on this spectrum. But I can look at all over the place, and I can say I can make stuff that these people are willing to pay for. Can they pay, and will they pay for this thing? This is the beauty of making an audience around a topic that you care about, and that people are willing to pay money to solve this problem for yep. them. Right. So what scares me most is I don't have that built-in audience. Right. So understandable takes a while to build an audience. That's that's why that's, that's why there's not like a yeah there's not like a push button thing that you just like have an audience. Actually, there is. You can do advertisements. You can do a lot of grassroots kinds of getting the word out about your thing. So say for example, you went uh, ScreenFlow course into Coursera or or uh, Udemy, right? So you've got this course out there for forty nine dollars on Udemy, right? And so you're just trying to get people to your Udemy page. Well. You, if it's about learning how to play guitar, if it's about uh, like learning how to cook uh, affordable vegan food at home or something like that, 
Facebook advertising is a great, but you got to spend money on that, right? So this is the this is why Samsung doesn't have an audience; <laughs> they just have money to spend on advertising. So so there's always that option for you if you're willing to pay for it, and it doesn't have to cost a, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, you know. But it it's always there for you if you don't want to just like start a blog and wait for a year. Yeah, to and, an and uh, you know, audience, like you said, audience building is a long-term thing. Yeah. So uh, if you create a course, don't expect that you're going to, oh, now I'm going to go build an audience mm-hmm. and, it's, and in a month, I'm going to have a bunch of people checking out this course. But there are tactics that you can use mm-hmm. that will attract people. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I would recommend is is writing guest articles on other sites. So yeah. you, you mentioned, you know, having a course about vegan food. Well, there are a lot of food blogs out there approach those blogs with ideas for guest posts, write your guest post. And then, uh, you know, at the bottom in your bio, you know, sell people on your course and yeah. link, the, link them to your course. page. Hopefully you're already a member or a fan of those blogs. They see you in the comments. Like you're, 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 you're way more involved than just to promote your course. Cause we, as, as publishers and site owners, we we can just, t- if we care about our audience, we're not going to just hawk them out to whoever's right. got an article. Right. You know what I mean? You know, another strategy is, uh, you could, um, just go start writing at Medium after mm-hmm. after you have your course created. Go write at Medium, and every post link to your Udemy page. Yeah, and just try to write things that are going to attract people who will be interested in your course and deliver real yep. value. Don't just make it a fluff piece. Deliver real value. They check you out. They're like, "Oh, who's this guy that you know is writing some yep. really great stuff about vegan food?" And then they check out your link, and boom, uh, then they're considering your course. So yeah, it's a real concern to not have that audience, but it doesn't it does it doesn't have to like it doesn't put a nail in the coffin at all. People are doing this all the time. They're making courses and they're just putting it on on like Udemy. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And then they'll do a handful of YouTube videos, a handful of Medium posts, a handful of like Facebook ads, and see what kind of results they're getting. Yep. Right. That is a total viable solution to this problem. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, number eight making sure I am providing great value and that people taking the course will see actual results. This is my worry. How will I know that I've... You got to move your cursor, bro. Oh, I'm, moving, like I'm right, right in the face. middle. Ding. We're on a how Google Doc. I, <laughs> how will I know that I've really impacted those who purchase it and how to measure this? I would be interested in knowing how to beta test it with some users first. Okay, so this one's about wanting to create value for your customers yeah. and knowing that they're actually being impacted and that they're using this thing and they would like to know how to maybe beta test this with some users to see if they're getting results first. As I've experienced the world, I kind of see there's two kinds of people, right? Those kinds of people who don't care at all. They just want to earn some money and try to see if they can sell this thing. And those kinds of people who never put anything out the door because they're really afraid that it's not going to be good enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I see this very much as the latter, yeah. right? It's not going to be good enough. It's not going to be effective enough. It's not right. going to get someone. And and I love that because that's that's more of where I come from. And I've and and I in my relationship with you, Corbett, and doing business for a long time, I have moved over to just like right in the middle of the road. I'm like feeling really balanced, realizing, man, all those just sales skills, I totally appreciate those. I'm like, this is awesome. And you could totally be a douchebag living out there. Um, and then, man, all of those, like, I just want to make stuff that matters, that counts, that is effective, that does the right thing. Love that. Love that. It's your worst enemy. It is your worst enemy. It's the thing holding you back. It's the thing holding the people you want to help back. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're not putting, help me help you. Right. Help me help you. Right? So the idea here is, is again, I think solved with payload. What are you teaching them how to do? Then make it so. You know, so it's, you're not teaching them how to have uh, maybe like uh, a life that they're proud of for the rest of their life and they never, ever struggle with any kind of self-doubt or anything for the rest of their days, right? You can't teach that, right? But you can teach them how to, I don't know, geez, I don't know, have better re- conversations with your spouse. Not you, Maybe you can't even say, one day you might be able to say, I can teach you to have a better relationship. Right. But today, you're only going to say, I can teach you to have better conversations with your spouse, yep. right? That is such a clarifying thing, right? When you, and especially when you come out, it's like, I care about people having good relationships. And one of the biggest ways that I see us failing each other right now is in the way that we communicate with one another. So I've got a simple method for helping you get to the point in a way that's empathetic, that you both feel seen and heard and yada, yada, yada with your spouse. That's a great example of, how do I know if this is being effective or not? You know it by the payload you promise them and then whether or not it's helping. And then don't forget this. Every course that you make is just first. 
right? It's just for, and then you, and then you put it out and then you get some feedback and then you get to make changes. Yeah. Right. That's why we love the idea of doing either a webinar or a workshop or some sort of live event of some kind of walk people through it. Um, my, my friend, Mike, who does presentations, he would do this all the time. He's got like a new presentation. He just invites six or seven of his friends. He's like, there'll be bagels. And I'm going to walk you through this. Yeah. It's like a three hour like workshop thing. And by the way, pro tip, uh, you know, what you're reading right now is part of our effort to create curriculum in the future. Yeah. By asking people what they're scared of and what, what worries them about this topic, you know, yeah. what, what worries you about having conversations with your spouse? Yeah. You know, go ask 20 people that and see what responses you get. And then that is gold for your course because then, so good. then you know that the course is going to be more effective because the, the big risk in a course is that it's this one-way medium, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're publishing this online, so you don't have an audience there to ask you questions. Yeah. So you just brain dump everything, and then afterwards you go, oh, crap, I forgot about this and that and yeah. the other thing that people have concerns about. So ask them first. You could hold a workshop or whatever, like yep. Chase mentioned, but ask people somehow, get feedback on that, and then include that. all that stuff in your course. And that, if you want to, if we want to take that deeper, we do, like we've said before on this show, we have a course in Fizzle called Customer Conversations, Winning Insights with Customer Conversations. I'll put a link to that in the show notes of this episode. All right, number nine. Uh, and just, just real quick, uh, they wanted to know as well on number eight, how do I measure this? How do I measure whether or not I'm having the impact? So we kind of said, well, okay, here's what you need to do to make sure you're having impact. Yeah. Afterwards, how do you measure it? So, you know, simply you can call people, email them, mm-hmm. send them a survey, right? Just get a sense yeah. of, did this course help you? Where did you get stuck? Mm-hmm. What were your results afterwards? Where were you in the beginning? Where were you at the end? Uh, that's a really easy way to measure whether or not you're having impact. The other thing to keep in mind is that whether or not you have impact is dependent not only on if you impart the right knowledge on them and and lead them through the right actions, but also the delivery of that. Were you charismatic and entertaining enough? Was the structure and design of the course helpful in getting them through the thing? Because even if you have the best knowledge in there, sometimes if it's just a, a slog to get through, and people aren't going to go through it. Totally. Know? Yeah, and that that, I, that following up with people who have taken your course or even guiding them through, guiding a cohort through it for the first couple times to get that feedback, man, it makes your stuff so much better. Yeah. So much better. All right, number nine. I am too scared to put who I am out there and be judged negatively. Logically, I know this makes no sense, but this is my single biggest worry. I'm too scared to put who I am out there and be judged negatively. Love this because it's very honest. Very honest. When you're making a course, you're sticking your neck out. You're sticking your neck out for like, you know, the character I always talk about here is is like your crappy Uncle Terry who's just like, oh yeah, how's the course making? He thinks he's a teacher. (laughs) Stupid. Get me a beer. Right? Right? And you're sticking your neck out. And so that's a danger. It is. And, and, you know, we... um, I don't, I don't really feel this anymore. I don't feel like that we get judged negatively and that it really impacts me, but it has happened in the past and and this does happen to everyone. It's so it's not just a danger. It's kind of part of the game that, um, if you're putting something out there, you know, especially if you put something on YouTube, for God's sakes, you're going to get some (laughs) comments have gotten better because they're not anonymous anymore. They're connected to your G plus account. That's great. But, um, you know, so you, you might get some negative comments and stuff. Um, but I, th- I think that in the beginning, the fear that you're going to be judged negatively is a lot of times unfounded because what actually happens is you're not judged at all, yeah. right? Yeah. The worst thing that happens is that you're not judged at all because yeah. nobody finds it, nobody thinks it's useful, and you just languish. <laughs> nobody, who was it? Some like uh, David Foster Wallace or whatever, talking about the similar thing, like everybody's afraid of getting made fun of or, or you know someone thinking bad thoughts about them, but the truth is nobody's thinking any thoughts about you. Exactly. You know I mean? like, nobody's thinking about you. Exactly. Nobody notices you, nobody cares, and that's that's cool. That, that means like you're not going to be judged negatively, but you still also means you got to do the work to get the right people involved and interested in this thing. Right. So I hear what you're saying with this worry. Absolutely. I don't want to be judged negatively because it's embarrassing because it's, I'm because not only is it embarrassing, it's painful. It's painful. It's scary. It's traumatic. It's all of these things. And this is like the human experience, man. Um, and you can do this. You absolutely can. 
you know, and, and and you can do a baby step towards it. And this is how you conquer a fear. You know what I mean? You do a baby step towards it, baby step towards it, baby. And it's, you have to be active about it. Yeah. You have to be active about it. You can't wait to feel good about it if this is your fear. Because you're not going to feel good about it until you, okay, then write a blog post. Get that out there. Write 10 blog posts. Get those out there. Make them all about the topic of your course, like all about different parts of the course that you want to make. All right, now that you've done that, like let's uh, let's try something else. Maybe you're ready for the course now. Who knows what, right? It's all about getting used to and realizing that actually, unlike the stove, if you put your hand on the internet, you actually don't get physically burned. You know, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert has this amazing amazing bit in her book, Big Magic, where she's about to get on stage to speak and she thinks of fear as like this, this partner, this character in her life. And she stops as she's getting on the stage just before she gets on the stage and she says to her fear, she says, I need you to stay here. I know you're afraid. I know you're afraid for me. I totally understand. And thank you for keeping me safe my whole life. Thank you very much. But I'm not going to die up there like in any real way. And so I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to go do my thing. When I come back, we can talk about it and we can totally like regroup from this whole thing, right? And I think that's a super healthy way to look at your fear. It's protecting you and wants to, it wants to keep you safe and you're not actually in harm. You're not actually in harm's way. Like you, so I wish I, could, I wish I could do more to just like inspire people past that fear, but I yeah. know that it's a real fear. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, like thinking back on it, all the times that somebody said something negative about my work or whatever, yeah. Now I feel like it it made me stronger yeah. through the process. And mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't make it easier while it's happening. But afterwards you look back and either you your your skin grows thicker, yeah, which is usually a good thing on the internet because there's a lot of freaking idiots out yeah, there. Totally. Um, or you or if it's valid criticism, then hopefully it helps you improve. Yeah. You know? I like that. All right. Uh number ten. Number ten. One. We're and, down on uh, it. This is a doozy. I hope you're ready. All right. All right. I don't feel like I have enough credibility on the subject to just teach it myself. I have an outline of the course and know that it's good, highly valuable content, but I want to be backed up by people with more authority. My plan is to interview people for my podcast and ask them some of the questions that are covered in the course and include quotes, audio, stories, stories, etc. from the podcast interviews. While I think this will make the course better, it's going to delay version one of the course by a month or two until I can interview these people, cut up their audio, and include chunks of it in the course. I think it's a great idea, right? I, I resonate with the I resonate with the feeling of I don't feel uh, I don't feel expert enough to to teach this thing. Sure, get in line. None of us are, right? Because who's because like uh, everyone who is qualified, they're not making a course on this. News for you. Course makers are like, you know, what's the what's the thing about teachers? Like some do and others and those who can't those who can do and those who can't teach mm -hmm. like horrible. It's it's what I it's my story. I'm capable of a lot of stuff, but I also am really, really invested in the idea of being a teacher, you know, because because I think I think there's going to be some people who come out from fizzle who do way more important shit than what I what I can do. Right. But um, that, and that's, that's whatever. That's neither here nor there. The point being, you're, you're right to have this fear about like, hey, I'm not qualified to do this. Okay, then either get qualified or do what you're talking about and find, a, find people who are qualified to sort of uh, what Derek Halpern calls like this drafting technique mm. where you're sort of coasting on their trust in the, the audience mm. has trust in Seth Godin. So if you have an interview with him in your course. Riding on their coattails. Yeah, you're sort of riding on their coattails, right? That's fine. That's fine. I don't care. I, so, like, go for it. Yes, I totally agree with you. And and we've used this technique inside of Fizzle. We have people who are experts on other topics, yeah. which helps. It lends us credibility. It helps our students get access to uh, instructors who might be more qualified or trusted than we are yep, in certain areas. Totally. I use that uh, with other courses as well. It's great. However, my big concern here yeah. is that he admits that this is going to delay version one of the course by a month or two mm -hmm. until he says, I can interview these people, cut up their audio, and then include chunks of it in the course. And I'm thinking- That's never going to happen. It's, not, it, it's, it's definitely not going to take a month or two. It's going to take much longer than yeah. that. Whatever you think- double it or triple it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so my question is, what can you do to gain the credibility to help your audience, but to do it in a minimal way? Like mm -hmm. what, you know, use the 80-20 rule here. Yeah. And um, how could you make this as quick as possible? So I'd say uh, discard cutting up the audio. Mm -hmm. And instead of like hour-long interviews with these people, 
do a 10 minute interview and have three burning questions for yeah. each of these people. Yeah. And then don't edit the audio and just put it in there as a supplemental or get something. Them back, get them back next year or two years from now when you do 2.0 of the course. And instead of interviewing 10 people or whatever was on your mind, yeah. do five. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think you, you might be hard pressed, depending on thinking in my own world, like it'd be. If I'm a if I'm a badass guitar player, like, and some kids reaching out to me, going like, "Hey, would can you mind if I like interview you for my thing that's not out yet?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. I think it'd be cool. <laughs> like, my audience would be into it. Um, like, I, I'm like, sorry, pal, I'm real busy right now, real busy. But if you email me and you're like, "Listen, man, I got a I got a podcast. We got about, you know, we got like eighteen hundred that eighteen thousand people or whatever. No, eighteen hundred people listen to this every week, and it's just about guitar players. And I'm just passionate about guitar. You know what I mean? And since the good Lord put me on this earth to play guitar, I just want, I just want to. I could keep going on this all day. Fully developed <laughs> character. Persona. You know, ever since my wife passed away, I really have taken guitar seriously. Um, no, but the idea of of uh, of like this is going out to an audience. They might buy some of my my products. Like you know, like okay, let's do it. That's uh, that's how I faked Mark Maron into hanging out with me. That's how I faked uh, Rob Delaney into hanging out with me by promising them that I had an audience that I didn't. Oh, that's right. You know, I forget about the Rob Delaney one. Yeah. So, but but the point being, um, I hope hopefully you can get you can get these experts because you're right. It's not a bad idea to have some experts going like yada yada yada. But I think the bigger issue here is you don't feel qualified to teach this thing. Maybe that can be clarified by payload what are the th what's the thing that you're actually teaching them get really clear about that because if you can get someone results guess what you're qualified to teach that mm -hmm. thing that's number one and number two i had a number two and then it just went away wow yeah yeah i feel like you shouldn't enumerate things anymore since and b yeah that is why i'm going to stop doing what i'm calling c enumerating mm. you see what i did there I kept enumerating. No, I, I, I kept I enumerating throughout it. Yeah, but I used different Roman numeral I <laughs> am bullet point asterisk asterisk little cross sign little oh, yeah. cross sign For that Fleur de Lee <laughs> Fleur de Lee sign of Prince. Have you ever used one Prince. of those as your bullet? <laughs> no. <laughs> what the hell? Why is that always? I included? saw a dude with a Fleur de Lee tattoo on his neck, like a little one. Acceptable bullet points. Bullets <laughs> dashes. <laughs> You got to give me the dashes. Okay. I mean, even cubes, like squares? No. Nah. Get out of here with that. It's too chunky. It's yeah. too big. Maybe an open bullet point? Open bullet point? Like, I guess, uh, you, you know, you got to get all like Michelangelo or, on me. Okay. If you're, if it's literally a checklist, you could have a check mark. A check mark I'm good with. Actually, there's something visually satisfying about a check mark. Yeah. You know, like open box. But, but a god Fleur de Lee. <laughs> no, no, you're not allowed to Fleur de Lee this place. What do you think this is? Like in Medici Rome? The Boy Scouts? You see any columns around here? Am I wearing a leaf headband? T do I look like I'm wearing a toga? My, my favorite part about your editing bleeps is that you, I don't even know if you know it, but you I say the F word. I see these little... Just kind of like barely... Yeah. Barely I use it, it like punctuation. It's my semicolon. semicolon. Yeah. <laughs> it's my semicolon. Yeah. All right. So that's the 10 That's the ten things, right? That's the 10 big worries that people have when they're thinking about doing... And these are real people with real... These are really came from the, from the community. And I hope that this is helpful for anyone who's feeling any of these things because it's really empowering to realize... To, to make your first course and actually make some sales. Yeah. It's... It's a it's a life altering thing. It definitely changes stuff. And look, like here, so if you're considering making a course and you haven't done it yet, or if you're considering doing anything in life that is out of the ordinary, yeah, you probably have a lot of worries floating around in your head, and you you have these conversations. You're about to go to bed at night, and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm worried about this one thing, and then you forget about it. You wake up in the morning, you have a different worry, yeah, and it's just this like wall of undefined worry out there yeah. that's keeping you from doing it because you know it feels like there's some good reasons not to do this thing. Mm -hmm. If you just write them down like this. And then think about each one mm -hmm. methodically. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm too scared to put myself out there. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? And yeah. how does this really impact me? And list all of these things down. I hope that people who are thinking about creating a course who had several of these worries now realize that they're valid worries. You know, these are risks, but in most cases, there's a way to mitigate it. Or maybe it's not as They're big all mitigatable. They're all, every one of them is mitigatable. You're welcome. <laughs> Just yeah. teed you're welcome. You. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome. You are. You're welcome. 
Welcome. Thank you. Welcome home. I, I appreciate it. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. Uh, I'm going to use a filibuster to point out this episode was brought to you. This episode was brought to you by the word <laughs> evidently, because every time I looked over there at you hitting the keys, it was because we said <laughs> I, We must have said it like 50 times that you bleeped out. And I love that people aren't going to know what word I'm saying when I say <laughs> because you're over there uh, cutting it out. I've been, Cor- I've been Corbett Lee Barr. And we'll see you there. Or we'll, or we'll see, see you on another time. So there you have it. All right. Thank you so much to all the Fizzlers who contributed on this one in the forum thread. You guys are awesome. You can find the show notes to everything that we talked about in here at fizzleshow.co slash 168. Please go over there now. Maybe join up on the email list. Get one of our free guides. If you just see in the in the nav there, the guide to the nav, you'll see the guides. We've got several guides that are available for free. You probably like those. I'm telling you, you're probably gonna like them. Listen, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know what sort of things you're into. You know, I don't know who you are. I don't know what kind of movies you like. I don't know what kind of shows you watch. But I, I bet you probably like some of these guides. These guys are good. They're guys. These guys are good. <laughs> Here's an iTunes review from Bagatha in Canada who says, Electrifying. The Fizzle Show is fun, honest, and smart, but by far the most important of Fizzle's success is that they just care more. Aw, thanks so much, Bagatha. That means a lot. Thank you for taking the time to open up iTunes and leave a review. I know you had other stuff to do, too. And I'm really actually honestly grateful for all of you who have left reviews for us in iTunes. And I'm asking you, dear listener, if you haven't yet, please, uh, if you got a second, just open up iTunes, click write a review on The Fizzle Show. I would love to read your voice out on the air. All right, that's it for us today. May you have a roof for the rain and walls for the wind. And may you find something solid to put your foot on as you take the next step. Find care, take care. Serve hard and dig in.